Welcome to Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. I'm Shanda Sung, and I'm a comedian. And I'm Ashley Morgan, and I'm a farmer. We've been best friends since we were nine years old. Welcome to our show, where we teach each other all kinds of things that cover our wide range of knowledge and interests. And today's episode is movie trivia. Movies. Yay, movies. Movies. And trivia makes it sound like that we're hosting a trivia night in a bar or something. <laughs> Ashley and Shanda's movie trivia, $50 prize and free drinks. <laughs> $50 prize and free drinks is too much, I think. Yeah, the bar is going to be like, you're never coming back to host a trivia night. Jeez. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I went to a trivia a couple times and the prize was like, it, one of those uh, Funko Pops. I don't know <laughs> um, what that is. You know, <laughs> grow up, Ashley. All right. <laughs> it's a toy with a really big head. Okay. Uh. <laughs> you know, they're like little collectible toys with really big heads and they're like, and people collect them. They have them of everything. Like a Every show. Doll? It doesn't bobble, but yes, the <sighs> idea is the same that you display it. I have one up here of Tina Belcher, and we have some <laughs> Harry Potter ones. Like, I mean, they have them for everything, like pro wrestlers. They, I'm sure they have them for politicians. They have them for everything. Apparently, I'm missing out. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, you've never been in a, uh, a Think Geek store. No, yeah. I have not. Well, now that we've learned this really upsetting fact about you that you don't know what Funko Pops are, <laughs> I suppose we can move on and talk about movies. <laughs> Actually, I have another upsetting fact about me about movies. Oh, yes. Lay it on us. Uh, I have never seen any of the Star Wars movies. None of them? That's kind of impressive at this point. And that's kind of what I'm doing now. <laughs> I almost use it as a bragging thing, yeah. you know, to say I've never seen any of the Star Wars. I've also never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. Man. I know. Yeah. What were you doing in the early 2000s? I was one of the cool kids, I like to tell myself. Yeah. And yeah, I've, I haven't seen all of them, but I've seen most of them. The Star Wars. I have seen all the Harry Potters like 57 times. <laughs> but So we both have had brushes with movie fame. We've not walked a red carpet. <laughs> Nothing we've done has been that fancy. <laughs> No. But we have been recorded on film. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in high school, as part of my English class, I used to make movie projects with a couple of friends. And we either made these stop motion puppet type movies with stuffed animals to tell a story, or we combined whatever we were talking about in the unit for our required reading, we would combine it into one big story. So something weird, if we were reading like classic literature or something, then the Knights of the Round Table had to go through Dante's Inferno and cross the River Styx, like combining <laughs> just really weird literature into some movie that was really badly made. That was our fun thing we like to do. That's what you guys were doing over there in AP English, and <laughs> I'm in the dumb class, and that's like, I don't know, write a paper. I don't care. <laughs> we always had to do, like, a big project at the end of the year or whatever, and that was always our big thing Yeah, that me and our friend Amy would always do. So we'd always make this big movie that would combine all the stories together. And they were ridiculous. And I wish we could go back and watch them because they were so <laughs> funny and dumb. And one of the things that we did, because we had no way to edit these movies other than rewind and record over what we had already yeah. done. So we had no way to edit this. So pretty much what we did was we would write out a script and we would act out the scene all in one mm -hmm. take and just hope it turned out okay. We had no splicing, no angles, no nothing. It was just two people. That's how the pros do it. <laughs> Single camera shot. <laughs> one take. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And we would do the whole thing beginning to end in order because we had to. We had no way yeah. to edit this thing. So. <laughs> 
bad. It's probably so crudely made. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish, I, I hope somebody has those stashed somewhere in a yeah. box in a closet and we can pull them out <laughs> one day and watch them because they're so bad. I was also part of a friend's project. It was an independent film. They were a little more professional and I got to play a mother who was dying of cancer in a flashback from the mm. main character. And it was very low budget. So, of course, I did my own makeup. And mm -hmm. I don't know if I was any good. Probably not. But I got to watch it. And I did not necessarily agree with how they did the flashbacks to show that it was a flashback because it was like pixelated and you couldn't even tell it was me. <laughs> like, hey, man. I was like, hey, did you do that on purpose? Like, <laughs> was my makeup that bad? Jeez. Like, was my acting and makeup that bad that you're like, oh, just just blur the hell out of this. We don't even want to know who that is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's funny. Well, I can take a hint and I never acted again. <laughs> Until I started making TikToks. Is that acting? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's what passes for acting, you know. Ma'am. Yeah, I was in uh, very briefly an independent film also. So when I started playing roller derby, the husband of one of the skaters had... You know, he's a very creative guy and he had kind of a production company going and they had written a movie with some of the other people who were sort of involved with Derby, the announcer and stuff. And they decided to make this movie. It was a roller derby zombie movie called Eight Wheels of Death. <laughs> and they had done most of the shooting and stuff before I started playing. And so I showed up, I started in the league and... I wasn't around for too, too long when they were like, hey, we have a few reaction shots that we want to shoot still. So if you're free, will you come and shoot these? So I'm like, yes, absolutely, for sure. So I went to the warehouse where we skated one day and they like splattered me with blood and then <laughs> took a picture. You know, it was basically that I was at a bout and I was in the audience and the zombies had come and were attacking the skaters who were skating and blood was being splattered into the crowd. And I was in the crowd and it was just a tight close up of my face reacting to this. <laughs> and it was just so dumb <laughs> the face I made I'm like contorting my face in weird ways but th there were a few I think there were like two shots of me that they ended up actually putting in the movie but I have it it's on DVD and I have the DVD and it's really ridiculous you know it's like a very campy low budget mm -hmm. zombie film shot by a bunch of friends and it was really really funny and they did a premiere of it so I lied. I have walked a red carpet because uh -huh. they did the premiere of it at the theater here in town, the Buzzkirk Chumley downtown, and we got to go and watch it. And I was also in a, a short that they did as like a preview at the beginning of it. And that was fun to shoot, too. But that's kind of the extent of my acting career to this point. Well, that's not exactly true because we did do a project together. <laughs> When we were in high school and immediately after we had graduated, we were part of this improv comedy group. It was essentially just a group of friends who goofed around and... Yeah, did uh, did the same games from Whose Line Is It Anyway? Pretty much. But <laughs> we also did a bunch of fun projects together because our one friend is very artsy-fartsy with the film and the cinematography. And he could actually do editing and make yeah. things look really cool. And so he's he's done a lot of cool stuff. And we, as a group of friends, decided to make a horror movie trailer. It was just yes. the trailer. It wasn't the actual movie. And it was based on an inside joke. Yes. And it was about really a ridiculous noise that one of our friends would make. Yes. And yeah. So really, I mean, it was pretty it was well done for what it was but it also <laughs> was not funny to anyone except us oh yeah and it was so <laughs> dramatic and just shy of overacted particularly my character yeah and i mean it was supposed to be what was funny that i remember about filming that 
that I loved so much was I had to hold a cigarette. I was like the damsel <laughs> in distress that was getting interrogated. And so I had a cigarette in my hand and I was supposed to be like crying and shaking and puffing on the cigarette, but I didn't smoke cigarettes. So <laughs> our friend, the director, he would have to come in and puff on the cigarette to create this the cloud for the <laughs> for the image and the ambiance. But then I'm sitting there so weakly holding this cigarette and just barely yeah. touching it to my lips and barely inhaling. And it was so obvious that I did not know how to smoke. <laughs> you were like holding it like you thought it was going to explode. Yes, it was such an awkward prop. And then, of course, the overacting and it was ridiculous. But I really, really want to watch that again just so I can be like, oh, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. I, Kelly, if you're listening, send it to us, please. I know you have it somewhere in the recesses of an old laptop. We need to get all of those friends back together and redo <laughs> it now, 20 years it would, later. It wouldn't be any better. No, it wouldn't. You still don't smoke. <laughs> no, but I could. None of us are actors. <laughs> but I could probably fake it a little better this time. Okay, all right. I'll still overact the shit out of it, though. Don't think I won't. It would be so much fun. That would be... So much fun. Instead of a high school reunion, let's just do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Those improv days, I I know there's video of a couple of them, of the shows that we put on, and I would be horrified and curious to watch it because I know it's not good. <laughs> but, it was, but we were having the time of our lives. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And now look what we're doing with our lives. Kind of the yeah. same thing, just you and I. <laughs> yeah, just goofing off and waiting to be discovered. Yeah. Put us in our films. We are very good at pretend smoking. And, I've gotten uh, better. And reacting to zombies. <laughs> I'm going to put that on a resume. Can fake smoke. <laughs> Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> Unless it's a cigar. I don't know what to do with that thing. I, <laughs> I'll just flick it and wiggle my eyebrows like Charlie Chaplin or something. <laughs> It's Groucho Marx. Oh, Groucho Marx. Or I suppose Char Charlie Chaplin probably did, too. <laughs> I rescind my criticism. Whichever one it was. See, I don't even know who it was. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a great show about movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, boy. Really setting the bar real low early on. <laughs> yeah. Well, Man. how about we just get to get to actual good movies with people who can really act and probably yes. actually know how to smoke? So, yes. <laughs> well, I'm going first today. So the movie that I want to talk about is one of my all time favorite movies. We already did Hocus Pocus. <laughs> I know I did. I did. Second favorite movie. OK. 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 Today I'm going to talk about Blazing Saddles. Oh, man. I love that movie. <laughs> I rewatch it every time it comes on to any sort of streaming service. <laughs> I have it on DVD. I think I have a DVD stash somewhere, too. <laughs> yeah. So Blazing Saddles was released in 1974. Screenplay was written by Mel Brooks, of course, the ever famous Mel Brooks, mm -hmm. Richard Pryor, Norman Steinberg, Andrew Bergman, and Alan Uger. Which I only recognized Mel Brooks and Richard Pryor, to be perfectly yeah, honest. Yeah, and I didn't know Richard Pryor wrote for it yeah he did yeah i didn't know that either i thought it was 100 percent mel brooks but no he yeah. had a he had a team one of the things he's quoted as saying and i'm gonna paraphrase it but essentially he was saying yeah the writer's room for that was just a bunch of dudes just yelling their ideas out at each other it was <laughs> a wild just yelling and whoever's writing down the best ideas like let's just go crazy with it <laughs> and yeah. they came up with this but for those of you who haven't seen the movie i'll give a brief synopsis of what the movie is actually about so it is a parody of a western set in 1874 a bunch of railroad people are building a new railroad and they have to detour because of quicksand and they have to detour through a town called Rock Ridge. There's a crooked politician named Hedley Lamar, who's played by Harvey Corman. He says, well, we got to get the people out of this town. We got to run them out somehow. That land is going to be worth a lot of money. What can we do 
to get these people to leave. They need a new sheriff. There's a black man named Bart right outside the window getting ready to be hung. Let's Mm. send him to Rockridge as their new sheriff. They'll be so appalled by a black man being sheriff that they will either leave or run him out or it's just going to be a mess and I'm going to take over. Mm -hmm. So he sends Sheriff Bart, played by Cleavon Little, to the town of Rockridge. And of course, he's not welcome there. Yeah. Then Hedley Lamar sends in a bunch of riffraff and all sorts of trouble to try to get the sheriff to, quote unquote, mess up and to run the people out. Well, every little bit of trouble that comes this way, Sheriff Bart, with the help of his drunk friend, Jim who was played by Gene Wilder. Jim was called the Waco Kid back in the day. He was like the best shooter in the West. Mm -hmm. And he's now a drunk in the movie, but they become fast friends. They take on any trouble that comes through town. Hilarity ensues. It's a good time. Hedley Lamar realizes that, okay, all of my ruffians are not working. So let's send in a beautiful woman to seduce him. And Mm -hmm. so they send in Lily Von Stupp, played by Madeline Kahn. And she is essentially a saloon dancer performer. Mm -hmm. And with with an accent, with a very strong German accent. She is essentially a caricature of, of that, that type of lady. She's so great in that. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Essentially all attempts fail. The bad guys lose. Good guys win. That's the gist, yeah. the gist of the story. Yeah. And of course, this movie was made in full Mel Brooks style. Ton of slapstick, ton of one-liners that are just amazing. Ridiculousness. Breaking of the fourth wall. Breaking of the fourth wall. L- literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> so much breaking of the fourth wall. He does a, a hilarious job of mixing time and genres So Mm -hmm. there are jokes that are relative to 1974 that would not make sense in 1874. So he does not care at all about timelines and accuracy as long as it's funny. And of course, just comedic timing is amazing in this movie. So it is perfect Western parody, (laughs) in my opinion. (laughs) To give a few fun facts... To get to the trivia of it, if you will. Mm -hmm. First of all, the opening song. It's a song called Blazing Saddles, written by Mel Brooks. And the opening credits of the movie, along with the song, do not give a parody feel. It's Mm -hmm. actually in line with a traditional Western movie. In fact, when Mel Brooks was looking for someone to perform this song... He put an ad out saying, I'm looking for a performer to perform a Western theme song. I'm looking for a Frankie Lane type. Now, Frankie Lane was a singer songwriter who was kind of known in the day to sing those Western theme songs. Mm. And so he was looking for a Frankie Lane type, hoping to kind of mimic that dramatic Western. Yeah. Well, Frankie Lane showed up to the audition was like, hey, heard you were looking for a Frankie Lane type. How about the original? (laughs) And Mel Brooks was like, yeah, man, let's go. Let's do this. What he did not tell Frankie Lane was that this was a parody. Oh. And so he sang the song as he does with the other Westerns that he's done. And Mel Brooks did that on purpose because he was worried that if Frankie Lane knew it was a spoof that he would maybe sing it in a jokey, hokey kind of way. And he was like, no, no, I want this part to be serious and dramatic, not spoofy. The rest of the thing can be spoofy, but not this. Well, once Frankie Lane found out that he was kind of lied to, he had a good sense of humor about it and was like, ah, nah, he got me. That's good. Nah, it's it's great. I love the movie. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if Mel Brooks how well-known he was at that point, if Frankie Lane would have known. I don't know if this was, like, his first big movie. I don't don't know if Young Frankenstein went first. Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't recall. Or any of the others. But yeah, that's good he had a good sense of humor about it because I could I was afraid that you were gonna say that he he got really mad. <laughs> it was like you're making a joke out of me. The way, you know, like Coolio and uh, Weird Al. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. He had a good sense of humor about it and un- understood the assignment. Another fun fact is there is a running joke throughout the movie where the character, the crooked politician, Hedley Lamar, mm-hmm. everybody calls him Hedy Lamar. Yeah. And he, he always corrects them. It's Hedley. And that's like a running joke throughout the entire movie. And there's actually a line early on in the movie where Mel Brooks is the governor and he says the line, hey, you can sue her for the rights to that name at at some point. Mm -hmm. And he kind of made a joke. And it's one of those just one little sentence that kind of you giggle at or if, if you even notice it at all. Right. Well, Hedy Lamar did actually sue Mel Brooks. Oh, yeah. For using her name in the movie. And, of course, they settled. But the line was written and delivered before the lawsuit was ever <laughs> was ever brought to court or whatever. So he wrote that line saying, you can sue her before oh. she sued him. <laughs> so it's almost so he like, sort of brought it on himself. It's almost <laughs> like he knew that was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, that's funny. Overall, though, Brooks didn't mind being sued because ultimately he got to use her name in in the movie. And also he said he liked the attention. <laughs> <laughs> Another fun fact is there's a scene in which Sheriff Bart shows up to Rockridge for the first time. He is not given a warm welcome. In fact, He goes up, he makes his speech saying, you know, oh, I take over as the duly appointed sheriff and everybody pulls a gun on him. So Mm -hmm. he pulls a gun on himself and holds this Mm -hmm. pistol kind of up under his jaw and he pretends to be two people. And he essentially says, you know, everybody put your guns down or this guy's going to get it. They don't say guy. They say the N word, but I'm not going to say the N word. (laughs) So they're like, this guy's going to get it. And then he's like, Lottie, Lottie, help me, help me. Everybody put your guns down. Whatever the line is. So people put their guns down. Then he takes himself hostage and (laughs) goes into the sheriff's office. And there's this line that gets me every single time. It's this lady who goes, isn't anybody going to help that poor man? (laughs) And I don't know why that cracks me up. Just she's so serious and so dramatic. And it's just the most ridiculous scene ever. Yeah. But that idea actually came from something that happened in Mel Brooks's childhood. When he was a kid, he went into a store and stole gum and a water pistol. Mm -hmm. And the clerk went to go stop him. And Brooks essentially held the store clerk at gunpoint with this water pistol that he got caught stealing and then just walked <laughs> out with this water pistol. It was like... I'll the, squirt you. It was I'm, like... I'll get you so wet. <laughs> get you so as wet. soon as I can get to a sink and fill this thing up, I just got it. <laughs> but yeah, so he got that idea from a thing in his childhood, which is ridiculous mm-hmm. and funny at the same time. Another fun fact... Mel Brooks plays multiple characters throughout the movie, but one of what? the one of the funniest ones is where he plays the governor, William J. Lepetamine. Well, he got the name <laughs> Lepetamine from a French performer. Now, apparently this is a thing. Didn't know this was a thing. <laughs> the French performer was a real guy. His act was he could manipulate his abs to where he could suck air into his (laughs) rectum and fart on command. So like how some people can make themselves burp on command, he could make himself fart on command. And he was known... As part of his act for farting out little tunes, he could blow out a candle from like two feet away. <laughs> he was, I'm, I'm going to try to say this without laughing 
laughing, but you know how I love fart jokes, okay? He was called <laughs> the flatulist, <laughs> the fartour, <laughs> or my personal favorite, the fartiste. <laughs> So that guy, that French performer had named himself Lepetomane because it translates to fartomaniac. And apparently Mel Brooks liked that so much that he named his character Governor William J. Fartomaniac. Lepetomane. <laughs> fartomaniac. <laughs> very mature and perfect for this podcast right (laughs) more farts speaking of farts okay okay i got more don't worry i got more there is this really iconic fart scene in the movie a bunch of cowboys sitting around a campfire eating beans and bread and they've got a fire in front of them and their horses are tied up beside them and they're all just hanging out having their dinner and mel brooks had the idea for this scene because he was watching western movies and realized man these guys are eating a diet of like beans salted meat <laughs> stale bread and black coffee how would you not have the worst digestive (laughs) issues either so in his scene he shows these guys sitting around campfire eating beans just blowing ass just farting up a storm they're like standing up and lifting their legs to (laughs) fart and it is hilarious it's it is another one of those immature you kind of laugh at fart jokes but what's funny is that the fart noises were actually added Mm post-production. So it was a recording. And it just said, in the notes, it said, recorded by Brooks and, quote, any passerby. So wait a minute, was Mel Brooks sitting in a studio farting into a microphone? (laughs) And then (laughs) when people would walk by to be like, hey, come here. Do you need to fart? I need you to fart in this microphone. (laughs) (laughs) who's got a fart i need some volunteers (laughs) oh my gosh now that's an acting job that i could do i know right where where are those gigs i could burp real loud to a microphone if you need me to so of course executives found that scene and other scenes offensive it was the first ever farting on screen yeah like first farting in a movie and the executives were like man i don't know about this that's kind of gross and immature and there were a couple other scenes throughout uh, excessive use of the n-word there's a scene where a guy punches a horse and they were like hey i don't know this is these are kind of offensive scenes so the executives told mel brooks to cut these scenes and he was like yeah sure no problem And that's just what he told him to appease them. Yeah. He never cut any of those scenes. (laughs) (laughs) And they're great. They're amazing scenes. Another fun fact is when Madeline Kahn, who played Lily Von Stupp, when she did her audition for the role, Mel Brooks asked her to lift her skirt and show her legs. Mm -hmm. And, of course, she was like, is it going to be one of those kind of auditions? Like, oh, boy. And he was like, no, 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 no. It's not like that. He's like, your character is a parody of Marlene Dietrich, who was known for her long, luscious legs. Like, she had very nice, you know, famous gams, I guess you you could call them. And so when he explained that, she was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, no touching, yeah. <laughs> what she was quoted saying in the in the audition. If you want to hear some really juicy gossip about Madeline Kahn, just ask Lucille Ball, because she claimed that Madeline Kahn got fired from her previous role on purpose, that she acted badly on purpose so she would get fired in order to be available for the role in blazing saddles Mm. without 
going against her contract because if she quit, she wouldn't get paid. But if she got fired, she'd get paid. So mm, what was the previous project? I don't know what it was. Mame. I don't know if that was a TV show or a movie. So it was the right move. I guess. we're not talking about Mame on a podcast right now. Right? We're talking about Blazing Saddles. Madeline Kahn, she was a genius. Also yep. got her money. Yeah. And Lucille Ball was... I mean, who is she even? <laughs> I know, right? Nobody's, nobody's ever heard of Lucille Ball. <laughs> okay. She's a nobody. That's the second time she's come up sort of as a side character in one of the stories. <laughs> For the show, so maybe we need to do a Lucille Ball section at some point. Probably. There's a lot to say about her. So I do want to touch briefly on the things that could have been in this movie that ended up not being. Mm -hmm. For example, Richard Pryor was originally supposed to play Sheriff Bart. He would have been great. Well, the executives were like, I mean... I guess because he helped write it, but this guy's pretty controversial. He was saying some pretty crazy things in the 70s. So they were like, I don't know about this guy. We're not willing to finance your movie if he's the star. And so Mel Brooks was like, "Okay, well, we'll get someone else and we'll just keep you in as a writing credit. Mm -hmm. So, of course, Cleavon Little came in and he was a theater guy. Mm -hmm. And him and Gene Wilder became really good friends. Gene Wilder kind of helped guide him on how to act in movies since he was so used to doing stage work. Yeah. And in my opinion, Cleavon Little is, was amazing. So funny. Yeah. Great looking. Like, it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So he it was a it was an excellent replacement. Gene Wilder almost didn't have the job. Well, let me rephrase that. Someone else had the role prior to him. Mm-hmm. But that actor, and I forgot to write down his name, doesn't really matter. Gene Wilder's better. That previous actor who was supposed to play a drunk was actually a drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and the very first scene was when in the jail cell, Jim falls out of the top bunk and hangs upside down. And it's when jim and bart first meet Mm -hmm. and apparently they rigged this actor up into his harness hung him upside down and he was drunk and proceeded to puke on himself (laughs) (laughs) upside down puked on his own face and they were like oh no this isn't gonna work you're up his nostrils (laughs) no wonder he nailed the audition though (laughs) yeah yeah well you play a drunk real well (laughs) So they called Gene Wilder in and he was like, yep, I'm, I'll am i be there. And he came in and, of course, did his amazing things that he does because he's fucking Gene Wilder and yeah. he's hilarious. Another thing that almost wasn't is the movie itself. The execs hated it. When it was finally done, they watched it. They said, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. It's just immature and offensive and... There's so much in this you're going to have to cut and it's just a mess. We don't like it. We'll just call it a loss and we'll move on with our lives. And Mel Brooks was like, hang on a second. I'm disappointed you feel this way, but let's try something else. And they got the crew to come in and watch the movie. Mm -hmm. And the average Joes thought it was hilarious. (laughs) So... I will never make it as a movie executive because I find it hilarious. (laughs) I will definitely be part of the crew. (laughs) But yeah, the crew, they were laughing the whole time. And so Mel Brooks was like, there's my people. That's the audience we're looking for right there. And so it ended up getting made and it was a huge hit. And then they actually re-released it the following year because the studio didn't have anything else to release in 1975. So they were like, oh, let's just re-release Blazing Saddles. That was a big success last year. So it was, yeah, it was great. I'll try to wrap this up real quick because I have been a little long-winded, but I did want to talk briefly about some of my favorite scenes Mm -hmm. and my favorite lines because there are some some banter that's just hilarious. One of which is Bart comes back to his crew because he was part of the railroad crew Mm -hmm. and he comes back and he sees his brothers there on the crew and one of his brothers comes back and he says, hey man, they said you was hung. And he's like, 
man, and they were right. (laughs) (laughs) And he's so smooth about it. It's great. Another one is the governor and all the politicians are sitting in a boardroom and they're they're supposed to be upset about something. And Mel, Mel Brooks goes, you know, yeah, yeah, we're upset. Harumph, harumph, harumph. And yeah. the whole group goes, harumph, harumph. And then he's like, hey, I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. And the guy's like, uh, uh, har- harumph. And he's like, you you better watch your ass. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just amazing. There's the scene with Lily Von Stupp where they're in the dressing room. She had performed in a corset and thigh highs with a garter and this long flowing sheer robe. And so when Bart comes in and she's trying to seduce him, she goes, let me slip into something a little more comfortable. And she goes behind a partition, comes back out in fishnets, this glittery thing that is way more dramatic, way more uncomfortable than what she had performed in but that was her comfortable (laughs) but it's glittery pink with a giant bow and it's just oh man so funny where do you go from what you were already wearing on stage (laughs) there's nowhere to go (laughs) already wearing lingerie yeah and then of course there's a scene where Hedley Lamar is recruiting bad guys to go run through Rockridge and be a menace and Bart and Jim show up dressed as KKK members so they could hide under hoods. Mm -hmm. And Hedley Lamar says, well, what have you done that's bad? And Bart says, I stampeded cattle. And Hedley Lamar's like, so? And he was like, through the Vatican? And Hedley Lamar goes, kinky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love it. And then there's a... In the beginning, when Jim and Bart first meet, Bart says, well, since you are a guest in my jail, what would be your pleasure? What do you like to do? And Jim says, well, I like to play chess and screw. And Bart says, let's play chess. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, I love that movie. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Be prepared. It is offensive. They say the N word a lot. Yeah. In fact, a lot of the characters were actually very uncomfortable to say the N-word because mm-hmm. their their characters were supposed to be mean and, and, and awful people. And the actors were not too keen on it. And Richard Pryor and Cleavon Little were like, you guys are fine. It's for the joke. It's your characters. If I actually thought that you meant it, I'd punch you in the nose. But since this is all in good fun, you're fine. Like It's OK. They were like, OK, I'm not really that comfortable with it, but I'll do it for the movie. So, yes, be prepared. But it is it is funny. It's got a lot of really good, really good one liners and mm-hmm. just classic Mel Brooks comedy slapstick. Yes. So, yes. Top 10 favorite movies for me. That's all I had to say at this time about Blazing Saddles. So let's take a break and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, we are back. And now it's my turn. And I'm going to talk about a movie that I have not seen. And I don't think you have either. By the way, you reacted to my text message earlier today (laughs) about what I was going to talk about. It is called Roar. And it is a 1981 adventure comedy. It is has been billed as the most dangerous movie ever made. The overview of it, it was written, produced, and directed by Noel Marshall, who during the production of this movie was married to Tippi Hedren. And Tippi Hedren was well known for being in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, as well as another movie of his that I did not write down and do not remember the name of. But she already (laughs) had a, a pretty... Good movie career at the time that this movie came out. And she also had a daughter from her first marriage. And that daughter is Melanie Griffith. Huh. Interesting. Yes. So Noel Marshall was an executive in Hollywood. He had come out and started kind of representing and managing actors. And then through some sort of convoluted nonsense, he ended up being an executive producer on The Exorcist. 
and mm. uh, made a good amount of money from that very popular movie. So he was coming out of that and managing some actors, including Tippi Hedren, and they hit it off and eventually got married. He had some kids from a previous marriage, three sons, and then she, of course, had Melanie. And they were married in 1964. And in 1969, Tippy booked a movie called Satan's Harvest, which I have not seen and did not do research on, but I regret it because it sounds pretty interesting. <laughs> she was shooting Satan's Harvest in Mozambique, and she took Noel with her. She was there for a while, and while they were in Mozambique, they came across a pride of lions that had taken over a house. And pretty much destroyed the place. And they were fascinated by witnessing this. And they learned a lot about lions and how they had been poached and what had been happening to them and how some of them were just sort of running wild and taking over these homes in different places. And they were kind of moved. And so, you know, more people need to know about this. More people need to care more about the conservation of lions and other big cats. And... In that thought, they decided, let's make a movie, because that's what we do. So <laughs> they started writing this movie. Noel wrote it. Now, this man is an executive. This man mm -hmm. is not a writer <laughs> or a director. <laughs> he has produced one movie. Mostly, he's a talent manager. So mm -hmm. it took him a little while. He wrote it. They finished the script in 1970. And at this time, they had wrapped up Satan's Harvest and moved back to California. And they're very gung-ho about making this movie. And they get some guidance from an experienced handler of big cats who said, well, you're going to have a lot of problems making this movie because you can't put a bunch of big cats together all at once and expect them not to fight each other. What you need to do is adopt a few and get them used to each other, and then slowly introduce more so they're all very comfortable together, and then you can train them and not be worried about having problems with them fighting each other. So you may have seen, I had seen, online in various places, like, you know, random factoids about famous people. There are a lot of pictures of Melanie Griffith as a child with her pet lion <laughs> because they adopted lions and had them in their house in California. And wow. so it's Melanie Griffith. She's probably, she's like 14, 15. She's laying by the pool using a lion as a pillow. And you can look up these photos and videos. It's pretty well documented. And hmm. so they're slowly accumulating lions. California is like, Hey, don't do that. <laughs> you did not set up any sort of facility for this or alert any authorities you can't just freaking have lions at your house i don't care if you're <laughs> tippy hedron you can't do this so they bought a bunch of land near los angeles in soledad canyon and began building a rescue at this point they're coming up to 1976 that's how long they've had so they finished the script in 1970 and they're about ready to start filming in 1976. So this has already been a very long production process. Yeah. As they're making rewrites, they're trying to figure out the logistics of this. Originally, they wanted to shoot in Africa. But the handlers that they talked to were like, yeah, you can't do that because there are no tame lions in Africa. Mm -hmm. You want a tame lion, you got to be in the United States because Americans are the only idiots who <laughs> tame lions. <laughs> So they are building their own menagerie of big cats and they decide that since the family is so used to these lions, why not just have them all star in the movie and be the family that is in the movie? And so the movie itself stars Noel, even though this man is an executive, he is not an actor, he has no acting experience, <laughs> Tippy, Melanie, Melanie had had some acting jobs at the time and Noel's sons, John and Jerry, who had done like commercials. So Noel is the only one with zero acting experience in this thing. And he's the lead. 
Oh, boy. Yeah. So the plot of the movie is essentially that this man has moved to Africa and is living at a sanctuary and his estranged wife and their children all come to visit and they have no experience with lions. They don't really know the extent of what his living situation is. He leaves to go pick them up from the airport with a friend and on the way he gets attacked by lions and his boat gets destroyed they managed to make it to the airport but it took them so long to get to the airport that his family had gotten other transportation and went to his house only to find it overrun with lions and they're all there trapped by themselves freaking out meanwhile he gets to the airport realizes they're not there tries to come back and gets into more animal nonsense including an elephant destroying the boat that they were on a motorcycle chase through a pack of lions it's just (laughs) very every review i read of it was like the plot is thin the acting is bad but you're on the edge (laughs) of your seat the entire time because it's literally just lion attack after lion attack (laughs) (laughs) oh boy Uh, yeah It's not just lions. As I mentioned, they had this plot of land in Soledad Canyon and they built a set just in the sanctuary that they had started to design there. They're like, we're building the set right here in the middle of where we're keeping all of these lions. And they built it to look like Tanzania, put some indigenous brush, you know, to that area and built the the home in the style of it, but had to use telephone poles as the supports for the house so it could hold the weight of multiple cats, big cats. (laughs) And by the time they started shooting, they had 71 lions, 26 tigers, one tigon. That happens when you have that many animals together, I suppose. Exactly what I thought. I'm surprised it wasn't more. Nine panthers, (laughs) ten cougars, two jaguars, four leopards, two elephants, six black swans, four geese, four cranes, four peacocks, seven flamingos, one stork. Oh my gosh, that's so many animals. So many animals. The only animal they ever said no to was a hippopotamus. Well, that's good. Hippos are dangerous. Yeah, it was a good call for but... sure. But it did remind me of there is a board book for toddlers that we have in my house called But Not the Hippopotamus. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, my God. It was written about that. Yeah. Just that. We'll take anything you got. We'll take every lion and tiger and tigon and panther and cougar, but not the hippopotamus. <laughs> that's too dangerous. Yeah. 70 lions. Yes. Yes. One hippopotamus. No. <laughs> As you can imagine, this started to rack up some bills, okay? Mm -hmm. So they're taking care of all of these animals. The amount of money just to feed them had to have been insane. Oh, yeah. So even though the family was pretty well off, you know, Tippy had that Alfred Hitchcock money, and uh, they had exorcist money coming in. They owned several homes. They had to sell all of their homes. And even some of their possessions, including a fur coat that Alfred Hitchcock gave Tippy after she was in The Birds. So they had to sell all of this stuff to try to pay for this movie. Photography finally started in October of 1976. They scheduled it to be six months long, but it ended up taking 11 years. Dang. So slowed down a bit. It has gotten the reputation of being the most dangerous film ever made because more than 70 people were injured throughout the course of this filming. Oh, my gosh. 48 injuries in the first two years of shooting. They got two years in, 48 people had been injured already, and then 1978, the entire set was destroyed by flooding. Oh, no. So they had to dam a creek in order to create the set. And there was a lot of rainfall and 10 feet of water burst through the dam in the creek and destroyed everything. Some of the animals were killed 
in this process. Um, some mm. crew members had to be rescued by boat. It was catastrophic. It took them nine or ten months to rebuild and then resume production a year later. Mm. So that definitely increased the budget of this already stretched thin situation. John Marshall, who was the son of Noel Marshall and who was in the movie, was quoted as saying, like, I, I think it was just that they had put so much into it at this point and they were so passionate about the message of the movie that there was nothing that was going to stop them, even though by the end of it, neither of them, Tippy or Noel, really wanted anything to do with it. <laughs> the injuries, some of the injuries, because uh, there is not a complete list of all of them, but some of the injuries to Noel, he was bitten a total of 11 times. Jeez. Including completely through his hand, requiring surgery, and another time where he received eight puncture wounds and had to have surgery and ended up getting blood poisoning and gangrene. Oh, my gosh. Tippy was bitten on the head by a lion named Cherries, who was one of their pets, during a promo shoot and... It punctured in the top of her head and she had to get a bunch of stitches. At another point, she was riding on the back of Tembo the elephant and she fell off and Tembo grabbed her ankle and broke it. And she also <gasps> broke her hand. And she always said, Tembo was trying to save me. And so that's th that's there to warm your elephant loving heart. I do love elephants. She was on its back and it started falling off and she said that he was trying to catch her. Oh. And she was falling off. I thought you meant she fell and then when she was on the ground, he grabbed her. From the way that I read it, I suppose. Yeah. Was okay. that she was falling off and he grabbed her with his trunk around her ankle and it twisted her ankle. But she did end up falling and also breaking her hand and she also got gangrene. Oh, boy. She was also scratched pretty badly by a leopard, and that required stitches. Melanie, her daughter, who was at 19 at the beginning of shooting, she was bit on the face and <sighs> received 50 stitches and had to have some reconstructive surgeries, which I didn't know. You know, she went on to have a, a long career, but, yeah. you know, she had to, at that young age, had to have reconstructive surgeries. John Marshall... Noel's son was bit on the back of the head and required 56 stitches. And the cinematographer, Jan DeBont, was scalped by uh, that same lion, Cherries, who had bit Tippy, and he required 220 stitches. Oh, God. Then there was an assistant director named Doran Copper, and he was bit in the throat and jaw and had his ear ripped off. Man. I was bit by a Great Dane once, and I will never trust a Great Dane again. Yeah. I can't imagine if one person was even remotely growled at by a big cat. Like, why would you not shut that down? Yeah. Like <laughs> and, I mean, they they lost crew members constantly because mm -hmm. people were like, uh, fuck this. <laughs> I'm not working under these conditions. I'm not going to get bit by a lion. I'm going to go yeah. home. And so they're not getting mauled today. <laughs> yeah. So because they were losing so much crew, they had to keep hiring people and they had to hire non-union crew. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the, the union union guys were like, no, there's no way. And so because they had a non-union crew, when it was eventually finished, finally, <laughs> It didn't open in the United States. Oh, geez. Because they were non-union. It premiered in Australia. And it did go on to do sort of well in Japan and Germany. But was not released in the United States. And made less than $2 million at the box office. Despite oh, eventually... Its budget ended up finally being $17 million. Jeez. At what point do you just cut your losses? Yeah. And just like when you have to sell your second or third house to feed your quote unquote cast of animals. Yeah. At what point, And you've had so many people hurt and you can't even release in the U.S. At what point 
after, I don't know, maybe two years and 48 maulings, do you like, you know what? When an act of God destroys your entire set, (laughs) he had to leave the hospital to go help clean up. That's when you say, I'm out. Yeah. Maybe you just, you know, say it was a good try. It was a nice thought. Yeah. We're going to let our crew keep their scalps on. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to call it a day. That's a wrap, people. Yeah. There's something to be said for perseverance, but there's a point where you just let it go. (laughs) And when you're selling your fur coat that Alfred Hitchcock gave you, I think that's the point. Yeah. But Nolan Tippy divorced Hmm. in 1982, shortly after the release of the movie. As you can imagine, (laughs) it caused a bit of a strain on their marriage. The constant lion attacks. Yeah. But Tippy did begin something called the Roar Foundation that supports the Shambhala Preserve Sanctuary, which still exists in Soledad Canyon, where they shot the movie. And so they created a, a sanctuary there and they continue to take in animals who cannot be released to the wild. So ones that were in circuses and home pets and the ones they actually got the two from Neverland Ranch when Michael Jackson got rid Mm. of them. Noel never made another movie, probably for the best. In 2015, a company picked it up and repackaged it and marketed it as the most dangerous movie ever made. And I saw the like trailer that they made that this company made and they were like, No animals were harmed during the making of this film, but 70 people were. (laughs) And (laughs) they said that. Yeah. One of the reviews that they put up was a quote that was like, it's if Swiss Family Robinson was a snuff film. (laughs) (laughs) And I watched as many clips as YouTube could provide to me. And it's ridiculous. It's just so many lions there's one where a guy's riding a motorcycle through and it's just so many lions (laughs) it's like it's too much i don't know it's wild and i think you can get it on amazon i think you can rent it everything i've read says that it's not a very good movie but it's something to watch if you want to watch it knowing that those lions all did actually bite people and i'm sure some of the bites made it on camera i mean that was uh the trouble of it you know you're you can't shoot a scene you can't direct that many animals it's just not possible and so there were so many things that they just took a bunch of footage of whatever the lions were doing on a particular day that they Mm -hmm. credited the lions as writers oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) yeah pretty crazy and in 2015 they did re-release it they released it in the united states it didn't make a whole lot of money it was you know critics were like it's still it's still not a good movie (laughs) (laughs) i guess the best that could be said of it is that it led to the sanctuary being created then that's rescuing these big cats in southern california i guess if you want something ridiculous to watch you can check out roar it can be a lesson to you to just give up on your dreams. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. When you have to have reconstructive surgery on your face and head, when you have to have your scalp reattached, yeah. maybe it's time to uh, maybe just, you know, give up on your dreams. Yeah. yeah. Shut it Excellent down. Advice. Shut it down. <laughs> so Shut it down. Yeah. That's the movie trivia I have. So if anybody asks you, what's the most dangerous movie ever made? You know, the answer is Roar. Yep. Yeah. So, all right. This was a fun one. I yeah, it was. Enjoyed learning about that. I look forward to. I think I'm going to watch it. I think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to get drunk and watch this lion movie. So, <laughs> that's what I'm doing this weekend. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are planning, but uh, what uh, what do you have going on? You making some TikToks? Yeah. Where can we find Make- out about the farm? Making some TikToks. You can watch videos there. Crimson Moon Farm. You can find us on Facebook. And we have a website, crimsonmoonfarm.com. All right. Yep. What about you? So when this comes out, I am in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So if you're in the area, come check me out at the Laughing Tap. I will be there 
the 14th, 15th, and 16th. And then on the 23rd, I'm going to be in Fort Wayne, Indiana at the JD Lounge at the DuPont Bar and Grill. So definitely come and check that out. You can keep up to date with me and everything that I'm doing. And if I decide to adopt a lion, uh, you can find out about that mm. on all of my socials. Uh, Shanda Sung at Facebook and Instagram. Shanda S. Panda on Twitter and TikTok. And you can find out about the show, this one that you're listening to right now, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. So hit us up. What's your favorite movie? Tell us about mm -hmm. it. Thanks for listening. And I hope you share the show with your best friend. Absolutely. And like every week, I want to thank my husband, Tyler, for helping us produce, edit, record this podcast. Him and I have never had marital troubles over an animal except maybe a mean rooster. But uh, <laughs> luckily, we've never been mauled. So we're, we're doing great. Thank you. Right. Thank you. No lions. No lions, no lions. To, our, to our menagerie. For Shanda Song, I'm Ashley Morgan. Join us next time on Passing Notes with Ashley and Shanda. All right, ready for a countdown? Yeah, and we're doing movie, movie, movie trivia. Movie trivia. That's the name of this episode. <laughs> movie a trivia. Yeah. Movie a trivia. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everybody focus. <laughs> <laughs>